All right, all right, all right. Welcome to the first episode of The Close-Up, a part of the Orlando Magic HQ Network. I'm your host, Stephen Cameron, and I'm super psyched to be joining Alan Anthony over here at the HQ as, long, as well as the rest of the amazing crew that we have going on. Um, this is my first show. My show is going to be coming out right now on a bi-weekly schedule. The goal is to eventually get it to a weekly schedule, but currently it's on a bi-weekly schedule. It's going to be coming out on Tuesdays, um, and then you'll have Alan Anthony with the Orlando Magic HQ original show on Fridays, and then with our man Stanley and Bryce hosting spaces after every game and after major announcements. Their show is also posted to uh, the podcast uh uh, podcast platforms so make sure you're tuning in for all of that the orlando magic hq is proudly uh presented by bet online the last of major pro sports leagues kicks off this week and bet online is your top spot for all your nba action this season the NBA has been going on for for about a week now. We've had some really exciting matchups. Magic are go are two and zero right now, going into their game versus the Lakers and the Clippers. If you guys want to get some money down on that, Bet Online is the place to go. Um, with MLB and postseason, NFL and college football, and NHL all in full swing, Bet Online is your number one source for wagering for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both the desktop and mobile access for every sport, anytime. Y'all want to make some bets? You want to you get some cash? See if you can make the right call? Go to Bet Online. Do it. Head over to Bet Online today to get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code BLEAV, B L E A V, BLEAV, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You deposit money, they're going to give you 50% of that in a welcome bonus. All right? It's pretty dope. Uh, make sure you, again, use promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V. Bet online, where the game starts. Thank you for Bet Online for being our presenting sponsor for this episode. All right, this week I have Justin Verrier of the Ringer Podcast Network. Um, he's awesome. He's on group chat twice a week with Big Waz, Rob Mahoney, and I think a couple other people. Um, he shows up on a bunch of the shows, though. He's great. He's got a really interesting perspective on the NBA. It's nice to chat with a national media member and how they, um, you know, kind of go about their job looking at, um, you know, different storylines throughout the league and just like staying tapped in. We got to talk, Justin and I recorded this on Friday. Um, and this is this show will be coming out on Tuesday, so a few days behind. Uh, we didn't know about the Portland game results at that point in time. Um, the Magic were one and zero when we recorded this, but we we talked a little about about Justin's like background into media, and then we talk about how national media, or at least he as a national media member, goes about you know following the bigger teams, the major storylines, but also like staying tapped in with the, the smaller market teams and, and being tuned in there, uh, which is really interesting conversation. And then of course we get into like magic specific stuff. I think you all are going to really enjoy it. Um, make sure you give Justin Barrier a follow, make sure you tune into all things of the ringer podcast network. Um, they're great. One of my favorite go-tos for, uh, you know, NBA related news when I'm not wanting to know just about the magic, but about 
the rest of the league. I find them very helpful and, and, and good content there. So without further ado, we'll get to the conversation that I had with Justin. And again, let's go magic. Justin, what is up, man? Happy Friday. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you for having me. I'm also very excited to not have to be the one who has to read the ads. And so I could be on the other side of that, but you did a great job. Appreciate it. I've done a few of them and uh, happy to take that responsibility. Anytime you want to come on the show and take a break. Um, <laughs> sure thing. Man, we are a couple of days into the NBA season. It's Friday. Uh, games tipped off on Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, some exciting things have happened around the league. Uh, Magic had their first game the other night. We'll get to them a little bit more specifically, but how are you feeling just in general with the NBA season kicking off? Uh, definitely fatigued. Uh, I would say that because the preseason tends to be as much of a sprint uh, as it is for the teams as the first couple of weeks, just getting everything in order and figuring out all the plans for that stuff. But I have to say, I, I can't remember the last time I was ex as excited as I am for an NBA season. I'm obviously always plugged in and, and ready to roll in this first opening week, like weekend is always kind of like a special almost holiday for NBA fans. But this year, man, it just feels like there's just so much talent in the league. The point where like that Rockets magic game that you were referring to, like I'm looking up and down the roster and there's just like nine guys on each team that I like. The league is in a really good state right now. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. You have a lot of parity within the league with some guys. You have some new, fresh excitement with like Dame going to the Bucks, and maybe Harden will land somewhere and just some other moving parts. Drew Holiday in, in Boston. There's just a lot of new things to be excited about and also some good up and coming teams that are coming along. And it's, it's just been a lot of fun. Let's dial it back a little bit before we get too much into like this current state of the NBA. Um, and, and I want to learn a little bit more about your journey with basketball, how you fell in love with the sport, what team you grew up watching. So take us back. How, what's your journey with the sport and your relationship with it? Sure. So I grew up in Connecticut. Uh, and so there isn't like a natural connection to a lot of NBA teams there. It's, it's weird because Connecticut is pretty much split down the middle between Boston teams and, and, uh, and New York teams to the point where like the Hartford Current, the local paper that I grew up with covered both, which is okay. like really odd to say now in 2023. And so, uh, you gravitate to one or the other, but we also had UConn. Right. And UConn was everything growing up. Like when I first started to be conscious of sports, like that's when the Calhoun team started to take off. It's like when Emeka Okafor was, was like at his heyday and even before that with Rip Hamilton. So I really came up as a college fan first and foremost uh, until I got to ESPN right out of college or just in college. And there just happened to be a spot as like a part-time first intern and then eventually more uh, in the NBA section. And that is kind of what I, when I, like I really hit my peak as an NBA fan, I was kind of a late arriver to it. Uh, it's weird to say that I've literally never covered every, anything else since then. That was about, God, it was probably like 15, 16 years ago now. Uh, and so, yeah, like it definitely, maybe I didn't have the natural like growth process. I think a lot of people had, but certainly nowadays, like I, I can't imagine being into any other sport as much as I am into the NBA. I get that. I used to be really heavy into uh, NFL. And then when I started like covering the magic from a distance seven, eight years ago, I've like completely stopped paying any attention to the NFL. So I can kind of, I kind of understand what you're saying when it comes to like your fandom, um, you know, living in Connecticut, 
kind of in that Northeast area, have a couple teams to choose from. Did you have a team that you like generally gravitated to more and like followed on a closer basis until you started like covering the league at whole? Not really. If only because when I was in like, say high school was when the Celtics were in a tough spot. It was like the, the building toward the Antoine and, and Paul Pierce sorts of teams. Yeah. And so it was kind of like that, like, even though they ultimately were relatively successful, they were kind of tough to watch at times. And the Knicks were very much in the Eddie Curry, Stephen Marbury, like, let's just throw stuff against the wall and, like, try yeah. to figure these things out on the fly. Uh, eventually, the Celtics got pretty good. And I was, like, I was pretty plugged into them when they were making that run with KG. And so that was, like, like the first teams that I really liked. But it was, like, unfortunately, I just hit it at such a rough time growing up that, like, the NBA wasn't really calling to me as a fan because they didn't have a lot to sell locally. But, um, but yeah. That makes sense. Now, currently where you're at, do you have teams that you gravitate more? Or does that kind of change season by season based on, like, storyline and team building? Yeah, so it actually benefited me long term because I don't have a single fan uh, fandom sure. or anything like that to, to do, and so I really do just kind of gravitate toward whichever team is interesting. Like, obviously, I have to check the boxes. I have to watch all the important teams, uh, especially as the season goes on. You realize certain teams are kind of dropping out of the mix and playing more for draft picks. But like, it you really do kind of gravitate toward what is interesting. And I think it actually helps in in my job because you're really trying to keep track of so much to be able to like almost step back and see how a general fan is looking at things and see what teams are spiking and interesting. Um, I think it helps a good degree. And so like the Thunder, for instance, are a prime example this year, the Pelicans sometimes whenever they're healthy with with Zion are are interesting. And so I kind of follow where, where the energy is. Uh, That makes a lot of sense. And like, I mean, in pure journalist form, you're supposed to be kind of a neutral fan base anyways. Um, you know, we've had a couple of uh, beat writers on the show over the years and other uh, other national writers and stuff like that. And they always talk about, especially ones that are like old school journalism, like trying not to put any bias, trying not to have any fandom to it. Um, and you being able to like kind of do that organically is nice. Um it's funny too because I feel like a lot of new fans right now, uh, the younger generation, particularly that it's the NBA is so story driven individually, right? Where it's it's almost sometimes less about the team and more about the individual. And on and off the court, just kind of the way this new, you know, the current Adam Silver era has developed over the last 10, 15 years, or I guess 10 years or so. And it's just it's just an interesting perspective to kind of pull out and look at that from like, not only a media perspective, but like you see fans online and in interactions. I don't really follow a team. I have a Jersey from like, you know, half the teams in the league and none of them have to do with a player. You know, it's just like players they like. It's just, just interesting um, that we've Mm -hmm. kind of gotten to that place with, with, with fandom too. Um, Now, Justin, from like a media side, right? Again, you work for the ringer. Um, you are deputy editor, I think is what you have in your, uh, your, your bio, sure. uh, which is fun. Yep. But um, like from a national media standpoint, when you are being asked to watch the league at whole, what is like a strategy to where you feel like you can get a good grasp of what's going on um, for obviously like we know from a marketing and media perspective, like you have to watch the Lakers. 
you have to watch and pay stay tuned i mean i'm assuming stay tuned to boston celtics and like the the top contenders but how do you go about balancing out the rest of the league so you can kind of like stay informed and the reason why i ask this question is because like there's always some fan a part of some small market team that says oh national media doesn't pay attention to our our team oh you, you like you always get those narratives. So like I'd love to hear from a media perspective like what is your approach um and like in my opinion obviously the national media is not going to know certain teams as well as someone who watches 82 games sometimes on replay, right? Like it makes sure. a little bit of sense there for for there to be some difference of opinions from someone who's tuning into a you know a couple of games a month versus uh, yeah, and, and again, I don't know. I just love to hear your thoughts on that whole like subject. Yeah, it's like a cross section of things. I think the standings dictate a lot of it. So, for instance, like a team like the Denver Nuggets doesn't typically play in a giant market that doesn't have like a particularly fervent or robust fan base, right? Like the, they have great fans, but like just in, in raw numbers terms, like they obviously can't stand to the Lakers, which is probably one of the biggest fan bases in all sports, right? Totally. And so like, so, but the Nuggets have been incredible. So you have to put resources to covering the Nuggets and like you have to pay attention to what they're doing. Um, and so like the standings dictate a lot of it. I do think like just general interest also kind of dictates a lot of it. And then it gets into the really dicey area where it's like, well, if the Lakers are bad, but they still have millions of fans, like people are still going to be interested in it. So like, it doesn't necessarily have to boil down to success. I think that's where people probably get the most perturbed because like, let's say the Magic just are on a finals run and the Lakers are playing for the lottery. They're like, well, why aren't you focusing on the Magic as opposed to the Lakers? Another big part of it, I think, is also conflict. Like, I, I get kind of confused at times because like throughout like a man, like throughout history, the way we've understood how to understand story, how to understand narrative is, 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 through conflict, right? Like the parts of a story, conflict is right there in the middle. And it's yeah. like the, one of the biggest parts of it. And so for a team that is good, that ends up being good, like where are the natural tension points there, right? Like where, where are like, where's the conflict there? And so uh, I, I just think by a sheer dint of like the fact that well, a lot of people are interested in the Lakers and there are so many people covering them and unearthing that conflict, I think it naturally like compounds and it, it, it like keeps things more centered on those teams. Sure. Um, but I also think that's why a lot of media types like myself are now so excited about a team like the magic. Uh, some of these league pass teams, Detroit, uh, because like early in the season right now, we like, it's all a level playing field. Like we're excited to dive in and find out all these new things about certain teams. Eventually by mid season, they'll probably have to drop off just by just like the fact that they aren't as relevant as some other teams. Sure. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a mix of different things. I hope that answered your question because that was a little rambling. No, it, it does. And I mean, I think it gives listeners some perspective too, right? Um, it's, there, there's a job, but you have to also follow storylines. You have to follow interest. You have to follow fandom. Um, and there's there's just different ways that you're going to get pulled in different directions, right? And it doesn't mean I didn't take that as like 
doesn't mean you're not paying attention to the other teams. You're just not able to give them right. the same type of energy that you're giving to another team that might have more reason to pull that interest mid-season towards the end of the season, right? Um, you know, it's just, yeah, it's it's interesting. So, go ahead. Sorry, were you about to say something? Yeah, I was just, just going to say it's actually the job of us and someone who's, like, good at it to be able to show to the, to the lay fan why a team like the Magic are interesting. You know, yeah. it's like it takes a little bit more work. That doesn't mean that you can't still do that work on the side, right? Like, uh, it, it's just, it's going to, you're going to have to sh- com- like convey it in a way that makes them more interested to the general Lakers fan who cares more about superstars. Sure. That makes sense. And to be fair, like when I think about the ringer and how you all cover the league and the diversity on the teams, I think you all do a pretty good job of it. Um, but then you like, you guys do things like Kevin, Kevin O'Connor will have his show that is mostly about like young up and coming talent. And sometimes it's draft people. Sometimes it's like younger players in the league. I think he's still doing that. Maybe it's every so often. Um, I know he typically does it like later in the season when draft is picking up, but those are those types of shows and, and episodes are always like really fun and exciting because oftentimes like cool you're not talking about the Celtics right but you are able to talk about the the Nets who have like some nice young talent on that team and or 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 OKC is maybe a better example right um or the Rockets where there's there's some younger talent that might like Rockets last season that didn't get the same type of coverage where they'll get more this year simply because of their roster moves, but um, things like that in which I've always appreciated those types of shows as well. Um, when you, when you think about young teams, up and coming teams and the magic and the, the Pistons and the Rockets and all these, all these different people or teams, like where do you kind of, when I say the word, the Orlando magic in that, context like what are some of the first thoughts that come to your mind what's interesting about the magic is i almost feel like they're a little bit more mature than some of the teams that are are young and up and coming they're almost like on the precipice of no longer being considered young and up and coming which i think is a credit to just how well they've drafted and how quickly guys like paulo and franz have come along sure um i was I was even like Markel Fultz, like how long has Markel Fultz even been in the league? But when I look at him on the court, he's now this like steady hand in the process, which is wild for me to think about because like considering his whole story in the league is like sure. one of the weirdest things <laughs> that I think anybody has ever seen. And all of a sudden he is now like the consummate veteran, like steadying an offense and pulling it back out and being like, guys, let's slow it down. And so uh, I definitely think they're they're certainly in the mix there, and I'm sure someone might like a lot of people would probably group them into like the the next wave of teams coming. But like, I mean, I watched the game the other day, and they just have a certain maturity to even their young talent that a team like the Rockets, which played quite poorly, and like I hope it doesn't end up being like that yet again this season under Adoka. But like, I, I almost feel like it's not too soon with the Magic for expectations. Right. Like I could see a yeah. play and run this year, which which feels like pretty great progress from where they were last year. I, I get that. I I mean, you're and you're saying things that the magic are saying right now. They're they're even saying words playoff on a pretty regular basis, like, you know, through media day and training camp. Those were things that the players and the coaching staffs were, were constantly saying. And I think they've 
they finally have changed the bar from development and evaluation to we we got to make some noise and i think they would be satisfied with the play-in i think they have hopes to be, do better than that i don't know if that's realistic or not i feel like i'm kind of like a, a modest magic fan when it comes to expectations of this team and i i would be psyched if they made the play and i'd be disappointed if they didn't i would i'd honestly consider it a failure if they didn't make the play-in this year um I don't know if I expect like landing the sixth seed and avoiding the play. And uh, that's kind of like where I, where I view this team coming into the season. Uh, it, it's interesting though, because like you talked about this team finally feeling like they have a maturity and like a, a stability to them. And it's like, man, I'm so glad we got here because we went through a decade of not having that, uh, you know, with, with the first rebuild under Jacques Vaughn and, um, Oh, I'm spacing on the GM's name probably for a good reason. Rob Hennigan, like that whole era, all the depot, Tobias Harris, that like all failed with Scott Skiles for a season. And then, you know, we had this new regime that I think had some mandate to like make the Vooch era be as best as it could. And then we finally got to tear that down. So like we've literally, this is the third rebuild since Dwight, which is wild to think about in a decade plus so uh yeah it's yeah it's nice to finally like yeah we have some stability this is probably the most exciting season as a magic fan um that i've had in that last decade of rebuild and it it sounds like it might be more similar for you in that sense too am i am i wrong there or have there been past generations that you've been a little bit more psyched on uh yeah, this one certainly because like the you know the let's get to the eighth seed Aaron Gordon teams certainly uh were tough ones to watch. I mean going if you want to go all the way back, obviously Shaq and Penny teams right. were just like just absolute basketball pornography, sure. you know, yeah. like even like just a clip you stumble upon uh, on Twitter or whatever, and I, I'll watch those all day. But like certainly in the modern era, like I can't imagine like. I can't remember any team that would have like come close to this. It's to the point where it's like they're probably going to have to diminish recent young picks that they've had and like Suggs and and some other guys just because they don't fit the current vision of that. Which is like how long have have we been waiting for the Magic just to have the type of young core talent in order to bring them to this level? Now they're basically saying like, do these guys fit our timeline? Like they have a timeline, which is which is like kind of remarkable and kind of special. And I, I, I can't imagine for you. It's like it's probably a really fun time right now. We drafted two players in the top twelve this last year, and Anthony Black and Jed Howard. Regardless of how we all think those were the right moves or the wrong moves to make with those picks, I have my thoughts, and we can get to them later if you want to hear them. But like, we're finally in a year where it's like, oh, we drafted two guys like pretty high in the lottery, and they're not a part of our core rotation, like. We don't need to rely on them and we can kind of let them grow like in a different lower pressure way or, you know, maybe trade like when we do some consolidations or roles might expand or whatever. But it's like, wait, I don't have to rely on Anthony Black for 30 minutes a night to lead this team to wins. He can just like do his thing and then come in as injuries happen and and whatnot, like in a different organic way. It's like, that's really special. I don't have to throw them to the fire right away. Like I'm not used to that, especially in the last couple of years, but we do have some young draft picks in the last couple of years that are like by far really exciting. Paulo Bencaro and Franz Wagner. What do you, let's start with Paulo rookie of the year last year, 
were you kind of envisioning him as the number one pick or were you on like team Chet, team Jabari with that draft pick? And like, is he the, do you see him as the man that like a lot of us do? I think I do. I feel like you've even said it on the pods that I've listened to, but like for the people that might not have heard you say it, like what's your opinion on Paulo? Yeah. So I'm not as much of a draft Nick as some of my other colleagues. And so I kind of like let everybody tell me what I should think coming into the league. I kind of want to catch these guys in summer league and then start developing my opinions through there. And so I I will say I was like everyone else, pretty surprised when they took him uh, after, I guess, giving smoke screens that it was Jamari Smith for so long. Um, But I think we learned pretty quickly why they did that. I think it was like his first, game as an NBA player where he took off and then worst case, if you want to look at his rookie season, just had the free throw drawing rate of like an NBA veteran, like an all NBA type of player. And so, I mean, it's kind of a a tried and truism at this point. It's kind of like a cliche, but like guys who can do that are like the the superstars in this league. And then like, I love watching Paolo shine in a backup center role in Team USA because to me that was a clear indication that he can out he can exceed whatever role that you're going to put him into right like he's clearly mm-hmm. more talented to that but he still managed to pop in the midst of other all-star all-NBA caliber players and so I'm really high on him I, I'm like I'm honestly curious how you think about this though because I am really intrigued by the almost like which flavor are you, the, a, a Franz or Apollo? Because while I do see that them being able to grow together, it almost feels like an interesting discussion point. And it seems like people lean one way or another, almost depending on preference at this point. Do you find yourself gravitating to one or the other? I, I mean, I do. I don't know if I necessarily need to right now, but it is a discussion sure. that is like within all sorts of like fandom and media, like, Oh, Team Paulo, Team Franz, like, which one really is going to be him for this team? And, like, I lean towards Paulo. There, there's reasons. Like, Franz is amazing, um, but Paulo is just a different type of score that I've seen. Um, he's, he, I don't think he's as polished as a ball handler yet, at, like, running pick and rolls and things like that, but he can certainly get there. He's got really good passing uh, vision as well of passing out of, like, double teams and stuff like that, and and he's got a really nice handle. I think, like, situ- like when I say, like, playmaking, ball handling, it's more like setting up the offense. Like, he can probably, he can run a pick and roll. He can run ISOs. Uh, he can run DHOs, but I think when things get a little bit more hectic, like, having more of that stability, the stability factor is something that he'll have to grow into. Um, but then there's like the two way ability of Franz where it's like, he can shoot the three. He's got an excellent finishing package. He's got a nice little floater kind of lacks a mid range game. Um, and he's a plus defender right now. Uh, and, and that, that plus defender constantly on the plus side of that is like, those two-way guards or those two-way wings at like 6'10 that can do that kind of stuff is just insane. And it's hard not to see that where like there still is question marks about the defensive side and where Paulo will ultimately land. Will he eventually be a consistent positive on the defensive side or is he going to have like some good nights, some bad nights, depending on it, more like, you know, the, the question still needs to be answered there, I think, for Paulo, for me to say like I'm fully on board with with him being that awesome two-way player. But I think his scoring is just like, 
I mean, scoring wins championships. So does defense, and so does two-way play. But you, you're not going to get there if you don't have a guy on your team that's that's able to hit 25 to 30 points on night on a regular basis. And I think Franz can be a 20-point-per-game scorer. I don't know, if even if we didn't have Paul on this team, if he is going to be on a championship team level team if he would be a 25 point per game score and that's where like the question mark is and i do think there is importance there from like the 20 to 25 range and whatnot on uh, on the ability to like just carry the team in that aspect um which way do you lean or do you do you even start leaning you know, it's interesting. It almost comes down to something I've seen before versus something that could, like, elicits possibility and wonder. Like, we know the Franz model, right? He's probably bigger than most big wings, but he does kind of fit neatly into that category. And, like, the defense, good God, like, the, his ability to do it on both ends this soon even is remarkable. And so, like, he's got to be in, in the highest percentile or his ceiling has to be in the highest percentile of, like, the top big wings that, like, we've seen in recent years. Paolo's just different. And, like, for me, I like all the weirdos, but, like, the just, like, kind of envisioning what he could be just, like, works part of my brain that, I like, I didn't know existed. Like, he's basically has the body control and I use I, I try not to use this comp lightly of LeBron, considering like his size, but also his ability to move. But he's bigger than LeBron, and so it's like I've never seen anything like him. He's probably not in the Wemby ter- territory because nobody is, but he's got to be in that like just super unique like cross section of size and skill and different attribute that like I'm just so intrigued by him. And maybe he won't be as easy of a plug and play guy for that. Like I wonder, for instance, if he's so unique, does the guy that you put at center or even at point guard have to be equally unique in order to fit him in. But like what an exciting, exhilarating problem to have. Yeah. These are all good problems we're talking about. Um, right. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Like he's so unique. There's like the other comp, which is not nearly as a sexy comp for to like the LeBron is like uh, Julius Randall, right? This mm. like big guy. That's like, I, th- I think Randall's like six, nine or something like that. Kind of thicker body too, muscular. And, you know, has good handling, you know, good, good shooting, good, good playmaking a little bit there, but, but there's just like a difference, even that, like, I, I, you know, obviously I hope Apollo has a much better career than, and ceiling than Randall does. No disrespect to him. Great player, but I don't think you're winning a championship with Randall as your primary guy. Right. And so it's sure. like, there is that, that, that just like another type of archetype, not so much comp right just a, like an archetype of a body of, of a basketball player there but yeah man he's special like he's when he figures out his efficiency a little bit more on on scoring um you know and, and gets that like three-point shot more consistent from from the outside um it's it's gonna be scary against anyone because like he can go down and bang in the paint with the bigs he can handle wings on the outside and, and shoot threes over their heads or just like handle a mismatch and, and take it to the basket and draw. I mean, I think he got to the, I don't have the box score up in front of me, but I think he had like nine free throws in the, in the game versus the Rockets the other night or something like right. that. And he averaged eight last season as a rookie, which is just like insane, insane. I think for me, what's going to take Paulo from like, I am an all-star to like a superstar, Justin is 
when he gets that playmaking um, and the ability to make his his teammates better. Um, I do wonder about play like like team building with him though. Like you were mentioning, like we do might need to have someone like no disrespect to Wendell Carter. I'm not sure he's the right fit for Apollo uh, long term. You know, um, in the Magic team long term. I was actually just having this conversation with some friends about Jonathan Isaac, right? If he had that monster performance on, you know, Monday, and let's say he plays 60 games this year, like, is he ultimately our starting center when games matter at the end of the season and we're, like, playing for playoff positioning or, or uh, play-in positioning? Like, is he the better fit? Maybe. I don't know. Probably. <laughs> it's tough because Wendell has been so good for that team. Yeah. It's just, like, almost like a stabilizer. It's funny. I was talking to Rob Mahoney the other day because we do that top 100 rankings uh, on the ringer, and he's, like, advocating for Wendell to, to be on the list. And I'm like, you know, I, I get it. And, and maybe based purely off of just, like, what we know about him now, he certainly deserves to be in consideration. But, like, that's the trade off there. It's like they probably need just a little bit more from that. And, like, Isaac is like everything that like almost a lot of these teams want. Like there's so many like fours who are stuck between that four or five zone, but they need someone to like mask all of their deficiencies. Like Isaac is the mobile rim protector whose shot looked really good the other night. And so like, is that not just like the exact type you'd want? Not only for like Apollo, but for a lot of these guys, Zion totally. down the list. Yeah. So it's tough. He's he's kind of like that perfect yeah defender to to help clean up mistakes. I mean, and thankfully he's playing next to a, another big that needs a lot of mistakes cleaned up and and and, and Mo Wagner, yeah. <laughs> more Wagner. Sorry, uh, like that dude is like a cone defensively, so you need Ji to like to help him out there. Um, when when let, let's back away from like the Franz Paulo subject for a second. I want to ask some more some more questions. Like when you think about the rest of this Magic team. What questions that do you hope to see answered this season with them? Um, whether it's roster building or ceiling wise, like what are just some questions you still like need to know more of? Yeah, I think because of where Franz and Paulo are already, the most interesting part of this team is just the guards. Yeah. Right. And it sucks because I am a Suggs fan because he does seem like he tries really hard all the time. And, it, and obviously the injuries are, have been a big concern for him over his first two seasons. Uh, but he seemed like in that Rockets game, like he was pressing way too hard. And I wonder if he's aware already at this point that this is probably a prove it year for him, if only because the expectations are rising, but they're also starting to bring guys in. Uh, that could potentially bump him at the very least to the second unit, if not maybe just off the sure. team in general. Um, I thought it was really interesting that Suggs had a bad game in that first game, and then all of a sudden Anthony Black comes in, just playing five minutes of garbage time, and he looked incredible. <laughs> you know, like he got the two blocks, and not only did he get that second block, but when they called it uh, against him, the entire bench rallied in order to like get them to review it. Yeah, and it's. It, Maybe they were just so hyped to see the young guys out there in general, but it seems like they're already rallying around Black as a potential like guy on this team, and that's at a certain point like you're you're kind of riding the tide, and like you don't want to suppress who could be uh, maybe a key player for this team just to keep trying uh, beating your head against the wall with Suggs, and so 
and then it becomes an interesting conversation of like, well, if you if you want to start black or even make him a big part of uh, your core, like, what does that do to Fultz? Is there so much overlap there because you might want to give black the ball more? Are you taking the ball out of Paulo's hand? And so it's a, really the all the conversations that trickle down from Paulo and Franz that I'm really interested in that like probably will dictate the ceiling of this team. I think like they're in line to be very good. Like could but could they be like thunder down the road grade? If they just nail now the the successive moves, the like the the fourth and fifth guys, that's like really interesting to me about this team. Yeah, I I, I totally agree, and I think a lot of Magic fans agree. Like, there's there's we have a lot of guards right now, and it's it's how do they which ones are going to be fitting? Like, and I think it's okay to have that confusion this season, but that answer probably needs to be figured out next season as they try to make you know maybe maybe play-in is not satisfactory anymore and you need to be winning the play-in and being a playoff team and, you know, starting to creep into, like, the solid top eight of the East. Um, and, and I don't know if you can do that without knowing the answers that we, we need to know. It's like, Suggs is a phenomenal defender. He's He's a disruptor of a defender. He's not just like, I can slow down someone on ball. I'm a good team defender. He literally disrupts the offense from from other teams. But that offense for him needs to catch up to where his defense is. And if it doesn't, it's like, I don't know if you can have Fultz who can't space the floor from three uh, next to Suggs, who also has been pretty inconsistent with his floor spacing abilities too. And I, don't, I mean, you're not going to gain respect from a defender if you don't eventually start hitting it, right? Terrence Ross, we go back to this example of Terrence Ross sometimes where it's like, Terrence Ross wasn't like an amazing three-point shooter. He never really had too many seasons where he was shooting like above career, like league average. Like I think most of the time with magic, he was like around 33, 34%, but he was such a threat from three and hitting tough shots that he drew defenders anyways. And like Suggs and Suggs has got a long ways to go there to get there. Even if he is shooting 38%, you know, from, from that side. And, and ultimately, if you have Paulo and Franz, who are awesome at driving to the basket, like you need guys that they can kick out to to hit shots. At least that's my view of team building and what I ultimately think needs to happen. And I think it also, like you mentioned, like brings up a question around Fultz. Like, is he the right fit for this guard long term? He certainly is today. He's a nice stabilizer. But like, can you, is he the right guy? you know, next to them without that floor spacing Billy. He's got different gravitational pulls that he can do with the ball in his hands. But, um, you know, ultimately, like, we live in a three-point shooting league these days, you know? So, yeah, that's that's interesting. What do you think about Mosley, the coach, Jamal Mosley? I mean, he's been in the league for a while. He was an assistant with the Mavs for a little bit. Um, You know, I feel like he's doing a fairly good job with, with with the Magic this year or, you know, just in general. But do you think he is a has the potential to be like a good playoff coach. He could be, I'll be honest. I haven't seen a ton of them just because we haven't had as as much of a sample size of like meaningful games. And so like, I'm not sure like he's reached the point where the litmus test even kicks in yet. But like, I I think what you hear about him in the league is that like he had a lot of people had a very high opinion of him. I know things like ended messily in, in Dallas for him, but I think he was always on the short list of guys that, teams were interested in yeah. uh, in order to ascend to that level. And so um, I wonder if there's like a little bit, I mean, you tell me of like, just maybe there's a little um, 
fear that he could be a Jacques Vaughn type and where it's like the, the next of a, of, a, of a certain generation, like maybe we should have more of a steady hand there and more of a proven coach. But so far, so good. I've heard mostly good things about him. But frankly, I, I'll be honest, I think it's, it's kind of an incomplete at this point until we see them play competitive basketball. I, uh, that's the same for me. I, I like him for now. Yeah. I think he's done a great job with developing the, the core and, and getting these guys to grow as young basketball players um, and building team chemistry. But yeah, we, we have no idea if he's going to be able to do schemes against specific teams in, in the playoffs. And I hope that's a question we get to figure out this year. But, you know, Maybe not. Maybe it's next year. But yeah, we, we got to figure that out too. And so yeah, I agree. Incomplete's a good, a good, good, good response there. Um, when it, when it comes to like all the extensions that were handed out the other day, were you surprised to hear Cole Anthony land one? And like, what do you think about like three years and thirty nine million that he got? I, I sense that it wasn't well received in Orlando. <laughs> oh no, I think I think a lot of us were hyped. I think a lot of people were. We're expecting him to actually get more and not accept something mm. for that and go hit like say, no, I'm going to go into restricted free agency and prove to you that I can that I'm worth more. Um, I actually thought yeah. this was another prove it year for him like it is for Sug. So I was shocked to see he got extended, particularly at that number. Yeah, I, I wonder if there was like a little bit of a trend happening there because we saw more low level extensions than I think we ever have. We might have seen like more extensions, rookie contract extensions than we have as far as I can remember, you know, like it's usually like the top guys and yeah. certainly the flexibility with the contracts that they added in the new CBA helps where you can sign guys to five years without giving them the max. Vassell and Jaden McDaniels were, were clear examples of that. So that that's good. Like I like teams being having more mechanisms to reward the guys that have proven themselves over this and not having to force them to go to restricted free agency, which we've seen has been kind of a gamble. I wonder if that's part of it too. It's that so many guys get to restricted free agency and then all of a sudden the music stops, you know? Like yeah. I think teams are, even though they've tried to make it easier to sign restricted free agents uh, by, I think they, they shortened the length of uh, where you have to wait out and, and allow the team to match. I just think teams want to get things done so quickly because let's be honest, things are pretty much done by the time free agency actually opens. And so they don't want to get hung up so often. And so like, sure. you're wondering like, where are these guys going to get contracts? Like you saw Obi Toppin basically get just, uh, just traded for nothing purely because the Knicks had already given Dante DiVincenzo uh, his contract and they needed a mechanism to get him in there. And so uh, it seems like a lot of guys sign for less than you expected maybe just to get something on the books, maybe because teams are more reticent to give out those mid-tier contracts and squeeze those guys out with the second apron sort of problems. Um, Cole Anthony is an interesting player just in general, though, to me, because he's almost like the type of player you appreciate until the stakes get high enough that you're upset that he's getting the ball so often, you know, like I was watching that Rockets game and I'm like, he's the type of player our coach probably loves because the offense is gumming up a little bit and he's going to get you like 15 points. You know, you can go to him to win games, but I wonder at a certain point, if you don't want to have that crutch in place uh, in, in order to like take the next leap, because you need other guys who could do various different things in the playoff setting. And so for now, I like him. I too was surprised that the Magic brought him back, considering uh, how many guards they have on their roster. But like, you know, it's a good contract. He's a good player. Like, just let's, let's keep rolling him out until he's not as useful anymore. Yeah, totally. I mean, and if they need to move him, they can move him after the season ends when you know they can 
trade players that are, you know, just signed extensions and stuff like that. So, um, Justin, we've been talking for about 40 minutes now, and I've been really appreciative of your time. I have two short questions for you, and then we'll wrap this podcast up. Um, sure. My my first, I'll just lay them both out there, and then you can answer them whatever way you want. First, I want to know what you where you think the magic will end this season, and then to give me like a bold take that a hot take that that might come true but it's also really you know realistic that couldn't come true too so i'm an optimist uh probably against my better judgment just because my one thing that i try to really hold myself accountable to is that young players just aren't good <laughs> you know like they're yeah. they're not like they're not positives on the court because they're so young and like they have to actually build up to that point. And they, the magic, despite what we were saying about how precocious some of these guys are, are still very young. And if anything, they might get to the point if the, if the results aren't coming through, maybe you wanted to take a step back, allowing black and, and, and jet Howard and like, God, they, they Houston and all these other guys, like giving them more opportunities. Right. I would say that they're probably going to make the play in this year. If only because the East is just like, kind of a mess outside of like the top couple teams. Like are the bulls that much better than the magic? It's like, I, I don't Raptors, think so. Kind of. Right. Yeah. They're all in kind of the same range here, which is an advantage for, for the magic. They're in the West. Probably not this yeah. year, but I, I think the door is open for them to make it. So I would say probably like eight, nine range would be my guess off the top of my head. Uh, in terms of a bold take, I see so I ha my bold take is that like Paulo will be an all-star, but I feel like that's not that bold anymore. Like, I feel like that's, that's something a lot of people will saying. I will say that Anthony black is starting by the end of the year. If Ooh, only because bold. I'm not a Suggs believer. Sure. Uh, I, I just think he probably needs to change the scenery in a different role. Um, I, I wonder as I'm saying this out loud, if Mosley will probably want to stick with Suggs, if only because of the defense, it sounds like they're really interested in, in like developing that foundation there, but I'm just so high in black. I just, I like in two minutes of, of real basketball, he impressed me. And even in summer league, I, I just found his, like his preternatural ability to like, to, to move around the court and just have that ease of, of, of confidence and whatnot was, was really impressive to me. So that's bold. I, I like that. I like that. My good friend CJ is going to love your, uh, your, your Anthony <laughs> black take, who is like all about like the same thing you just said, not, not sold on Suggs and loves Anthony black. Uh, Justin, I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and, and tuning in. Um, it, it's been a fun conversation. I imagine most people that are listening to my show might know where your work can be found, but if not, can you please just plug anything you want to plug? Sure. Yeah. Uh, TheRinger.com, a great website, uh, and the group chat podcast with Rob Mahoney and Big Waz every Sundays and Wednesdays this year. One of my favorite shows as well. Appreciate it, man. Magic fans, thanks for tuning in. Again, this episode was brought to you by Bet Online. Shout out to Al and Anthony on Orlando Magic HQ for allowing me to merge with them and, and, and bring my show to their amazing platform. I'm looking forward to growing it even more with them um, after wrapping up my old show after five years, I think. So anyways... Thanks for welcoming in all you Magic HQ fans. Uh, again, Justin, thanks for having or thanks for joining me, and we'll see you all next time. Peace.